In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, I just thought to continue this recording that I'm doing just for you, just to send out to you. In the last talk, which I entitled Christian Hope in 2020, Part 1, Terrorists, Optimists, and Hopeists, again, I proposed that as Christians, it's, it's absolutely necessary that we, in a real sense, rise to this occasion to live as people of true Christian hope and not simply be taken in by merely human hopes, which may or may not be satisfied. In the second talk, I'd like to, to entitle it Christian Hope in 2020, Holding on to the Anchor of Hope Instead of Our Smartphone. And of course, you may say, well, Father, it's easy for you to say you don't, you don't have a smartphone, and that's, that's true, but I too am bombarded with information through the internet, even if we don't have it in our friary, through different means, where there is just this news, this information. And just yesterday, Father John Paul, uh, my boss, right, our general servant, uh, the head superior, wrote a letter to us brothers, all of us, and uh, he ended it with, with these words. I encourage you brothers to lift your eyes from the bright trivialities of a distracted world and turn your eyes to heaven. That's hope. To lift your eyes from the bright trivialities of a distracted world and turn your eyes to heaven. I mentioned in the last talk the way certain people in social media, news, entertainment, it seems to me very clearly are working to instill fear. A kind of nice, well-dressed, gentle, soft-spoken instilling of terror in the hearts of men and women throughout the world and in the United States of America. And what is the goal? Now, you know, it's not like I've studied this extensively, but just as I was praying this morning, praying for you, praying for the nation, the word came to me that the goal of this kind of nice instilling of fear or terror is submission. Whether it's to vote for a particular candidate, to buy a particular product, to be a part of a certain brand, to be a part of a certain group. There's a huge manipulation, it seems to me, from my perspective, a huge manipulation through social media, through the internet, through different means of communication, in an attempt to have people to submit to other people. And what I'd like to propose is that Christians without hope will ultimately, will ultimately submit and go along with, and I'm putting in quotations here, the world as it is so-called in the Bible. This anti-Christian thing that exists right, that pulls us towards itself. However, Christians with hope, and we have 2,000 years of examples, not just in the saints, but of so many men and women, Protestant, Orthodox, Catholic, Christians, who have shown that because of their hope, 
they will not submit to something that draws them away from what God is asking, that draws them away from truth, that draws them away from real human dignity, love, and respect. And this is the key. To become men and women of trust, men and women of hope, men and women of courage based on faith. And in the last talk, I spoke of, again, merely human hope and then Christian hope. And in this talk, I'm saying holding on to the anchor of hope instead of our smartphone, because here's really the choice. Often in Christian tradition, hope has been described as an anchor. Why? An anchor is something that in the midst of a storm keeps us firmly in the right place. Brothers and sisters, we're in a boat, right? This is a... a, a an old image of the church. We are in a boat. There's no guarantee there's not going to be a storm. The storm is brewing. The question is, will we be anchored or will we not be anchored? Will our anchor be cast into heaven, like Father John Paul encouraged us to lift our eyes from the bright trivialities, to put our eyes in heaven? Will our hope be based in the Father, the Most Holy Trinity, God's love for us, his promises, or on the opposite side, as it can be happened so easily when, and I, I say it glibly, but we do hold on to our smartphones, our tablets, our whatever. We glue, we're glued to our screens. And not that we can ignore those things, not that we need to dismiss them, not that they cannot be good tools, But if they are our anchors, we will not hold firm. And perhaps if I could say spe specifically as Catholics, I wonder if sometimes, and now I'm shifting a little bit, I wonder if so sometimes we focus too much on rules and not enough on promises. Now, listen, I'm a novice director, I'm a superior, you know, I, I, rules are important. I, I like it when people follow the rules and I make rules so that things run in good order and stuff like that. But perhaps as Catholic, often, we might focus on, okay, I need to get to church on Sunday, which you do, right? Or at least watch it now uh, during COVID. You need to get to church on Sunday. You need to receive communion. You need to do this. You need to do that. Fast during Lent. Don't eat meat on Fridays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are all important, but, but maybe as Catholics, we need to really lean into focusing on promises. Not so much, do I follow the rules good enough? But rather, what is God promised? Taking the, the focus off of myself and my performance and more on God and to focus on his performance. Because hope, it depends on who you are and who God is. Right? Ultimately, our hope is based out of our deepest identity. Who are you? I talk about this so often. You are a daughter of the Heavenly Father. You are a son of the Heavenly Father through baptism. It's not simply that God has said things we believe to be true. It's that your Father has said these things and promised them to you. I sometimes think, you know, my dad is a great father. And when I go home to visit my family, you know, my dad, he's always just like, well, what would you like, you know, to eat? Do you, what, what do you need? Do you? And I mean, if my dad can do it, he's going to do it, right? Because he's a good father. Jesus makes it so clear. No matter how good of a father you are, 
you're not nearly as good as God as a father, right? And I have a firm hope that my dad will, will do what he says that he's going to do. If he says, you know, we're going to have shish kebab for dinner, well, if there's some at the store, that's what's going to be for dinner, because my dad said so. But the, the Heavenly Father is all the more. So if we take a step back, why are our hopes so often disappointed? Why are our hopes for our nation, our church, our family, our parish, our work, our health, our finances, why are they so often disappointed? Because so often they're human hopes, not based on who God is or who I am to him, but on my preferences and thoughts. It's not totally wrong. Of course we're going to have preferences and thoughts. I have lots of preferences and thoughts. I have some huge preferences for what I would like for, for my nieces and nephew, for my brother and sister and their spouses, for my mom and dad, for the rest of my family. I have some real preferences for what I would like for, for my religious community, for my neighborhood in Newark, New Jersey, where I live. It's not wrong to have these thoughts or these preferences, but there's no ultimate security here. We need to recognize them for what they are, and they're, they're, they're a fragile sort of hope. And God is concerned with these things. The Father is not unmoved by any of the situations of difficulty in our lives. But let's look at what falls specifically into the area of Christian hope, a hope that will not be disappointed, a hope which can be our firm anchor, that we can say, I'm going to hold on to this in the midst of the storm. God never told us you will get the political candidate of your choice to sit in the Oval Office. He never told us that. He never told us that we won't lose our jobs, that we won't get sick. He never told us that the church will be like we want it to be or that our children will always succeed. What did he tell us? These are some of my favorites. What did God tell us? Here's the promises that especially for us as Catholics, I think we just need to we really need to learn how to, how to hold on to this stuff. God says to us, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for peace, not for woe. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says to us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. God says to us, my love for you will never leave you. Isaiah 54, 10. My love for you will never leave you, regardless of what happens. You may get sick, my love will never leave you. Things may go wrong for your kids, my love will never leave you. You may not like what's going on in the nation, my love will never leave you. God's love is so much bigger than all of that. What does God say to us? What is the promise of the Father? He says to us, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Isaiah 43, 1-2. And notice, he doesn't say you're not going to walk through fire. He doesn't say that you're not going to experience floods of waters. But he does say, I will be with you. They will not overwhelm you. You shall not be burned. God promises, and you all know this one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a promise. Psalm 23, verse 1. Jesus says to us, God communicates himself to us, and he says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. John 14, 1-3. These are the words of Jesus. This is God speaking to us. This is the promise that will never fail. And just two more that I add at this moment. When there's so much fear in the air, Jesus says to us, God says to us, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground without your Father's will. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. The Father knows what's going on in us, around us. To be able to say to him, Father, I believe you are in me, around me, and with me. And one more quotation from Jesus. This is exactly, as I was saying before, the image of Jesus on the boat with the disciples, or he's on the water, the disciples are in the storm. This is Matthew 14, 27. And immediately he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, have no fear. Perhaps some of us are feeling like we're in a storm. Can we hear Jesus? Do we return to these words? Take heart, it is I, do not fear, have no fear. The words that I just read to you, these are rock foundations. These are promises made by a father, promises made by Jesus. To us, the children. These are things we need to hang on to because they are more precious than gold. And we need to pray with them. And I'll look at that more in the next talk. At times in life, it will seem like God is not with us. At times in our life, it will seem like God is not a good shepherd. At times in our life, it will seem like Jesus is not paying attention. But it's not true. And especially in those times when our emotions say to us, no, everything is lost, that we must cling and choose to cling to these truths. We must rise above our perceptions of merely human things. We must rise above the emotions of fear that may very well come up in our hearts or the emotions of anger that may try to overwhelm us. And we need to say, Jesus, in your name, I believe because the Father said it, and therefore I believe and I trust that he will do it. To say to the Father, you said it, you're my Father, therefore I believe and I trust you will do it. Brothers and sisters, we need to put the emphasis on God, not ourselves. We need to do the little that we can.
every day. We need to vote. We need to do things. We need to make our voices heard. But our emphasis, our anchor, has to be on Him, on Him, on Him, and not on ourselves. When we hope in ourselves, we will be disappointed time and again. When we hope in God in this way, on His promises, and not just what we imagine God to be like, but on His promises revealed to us, we find solid peace and joy. And psychologically speaking, these truths give us the greatest tools for emotional well-being. Right? This is true. Christian hope is great for our psychological well-being. What does Christian hope, what does faith tell us? You are loved from all eternity and forever, and you are capable of loving. You need to know that as a human person, just on a human level, that is the, the greatest thing for your psychological health. That you, to know that you are loved from all eternity and forever, and that you are capable of loving with a great love. This is the foundation, right? And I'd like to end with a story. I don't remember all of the, all of the, uh, the points to it, but a number of years ago, some of you may remember this much better than I, there was a florist who, there was an article about her in the, in the newspaper because she was being sued because she nicely declined to do uh, the flower arrangements for a civil union of two people of the same sex. And I just remember being particularly struck. I don't remember anything else about the article, but I was struck by just this one phrase. She said, I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do. She had lawyers breathing down her back. She was being bashed on social media. But what, what, what is that? That her heart rose above the immediate turmoil of her situation. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. It's a great line. It's a woman of hope. Right? And just as I, I did in the last talk, a quote from Francis de Sales. Let me end today with a very famous quotation of a, a little quotation from St. Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Jesus. Let nothing disturb you let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us.